0: In Hebrews chapter two, Hebrews chapter two, and um, <clears throat> verse number ten, it's around this time of the year that I begin to seek the Lord for what He would have us to uh, to to look into and talk about, you know, in the days ahead into the new year, and and um, it's just become pretty clear to me that uh, the subject that we're in the midst of now is a is a vast subject. And it's one that will uh, carry us well into uh, 2019 together. And um, let me say this: I, I know different schedules and and uh, you know availability and what have you. But our our Wednesday evening services, we've we've been teaching on faith, and and um, while you know repetition is the mother of learning, we we certainly have no problem teaching things about faith that we've taught in the past. Um, but I will, I will tell you that the Holy Spirit has been bringing us some fresh word on the subject of faith on Wednesday evenings and um, those uh, sermons are available free, no, no charge whatsoever. Um, you can access them online, audio, video, podcast. Um, uh, I think we still even go old school every now and then and print a CD, don't we, Pastor Rick? So, but um, all that's available to you. and um, it's, it's not a commercial or an advertisement it's just, you know, as simple as I don't know how to say it, it's, it's Father um, speaking to us as a family of faith. And I just want to make sure that um, anyone who wants to access um, you know, what he's teaching us and what he's saying to us, I believe it's a word in due season, a timely word. In other words, it's not just, well, uh, let's talk about faith. No, it's, it's things that I believe the Holy Spirit is is speaking to us as individuals, as families, and then ultimately as a family of faith um, that we need. Amen. Remember, he's always concerned about where you are right now, but whatever he's doing in your life now, um, he's preparing you for what he wants to do uh, in you, for you, through you uh, tomorrow. It's, it's about positioning you um, for, for more and um, to experience more, to, to possess more, and to be more effective. Amen and what he's called you to do and be so praise God Hebrews chapter 2 gave you plenty of time to find it let's go to verse number 10 <clears throat> it says this for it was fitting for him speaking of Jesus for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren This word, all of one, literally means are one and the same. Now, you may not see yourself in that light, but I want you to know this morning that this is how your Heavenly Father views you. It's how He sees you. It's how He considers you. And so much of our growth in the things of God, our our maturing in the things of God, involves... Bringing our perspective into alignment with God's perspective. To see things not the way the world sees them, not the way we see them, not the way mom and them see them, not the way the church we were raised in sees them, but the way God sees them. Amen. Bringing our perspective into alignment with His perspective, our view into alignment with His view, our thoughts into alignment with His thoughts, our opinions, that's another way of saying it. Have you ever stopped to consider that God has a different opinion of you than you have of yourself? Our opinion of ourselves is is far beneath God's very high estimation, esteem, value, opinions of you. And this is a stronghold that the enemy exploits in our lives. Um, It comes out through insecurities and and all the different manifestations of insecurities and fears and worries in our lives. Um, It it also manifests itself in... in, um, uh, just, you know, a, a lack of boldness. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. Uh, but the wicked flee when nobody's chasing them. And, uh, and we got so many folks who have been born again and have been made the righteousness of God, but yet we're still running from, from, from things that aren't even chasing us. And, and so, you know, it's, it's when we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us and, and, and begin to have His thoughts instead of this world's thoughts and and viewpoints on things that we really begin to grow up and we really begin to experience and enjoy um, what is already ours, uh, what's already been given to us um, as his children, as his offspring in the earth. So again, he who sanctifies, that's God, those who are being sanctified, that's you and me, are one and the same, and for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren, Pam and I um, <clears throat> had a situation shared with us over the weekend, and and um, it, it really made us both very sad, and um, it in, it involved a, a family, and and a, and some members of that family that that were not um, invited to Thanksgiving because um, one of the son struggles with drug addiction and it's, it's just a it's a really dysfunctional problem and the family's trying to show them some tough love and and um, and I understand that I, I listen I teach and preach classes every month on codependency and enabling and and if you don't hold people accountable and you know you so I'm not I'm not here to judge anybody um, but you know, the question that this gentleman asked was, um, are they ashamed of me? Are they ashamed of me? In other words, he knows that the things aren't right in his life, and he knows that, you know, he's done a bunch of stealing and a bunch of... <laughs> you understand? I mean, again, I'm not here to judge anybody, but it's like in that moment, he's like, man, you know, um, they, this, they actually bought him and, and his family Thanksgiving dinner but and gave it to him, but they weren't welcome in their home. You see what I'm saying? And, and, you know, so we're just trying to love on them and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, Pam even said, well, if that happens at Christmas. We'll just have them in our house Christmas. And I'm like, that's fine, baby. We'll do it. You know, sure. But, again, as this whole situation was unfolding and we were trying to show some love and, and some intervention and, and, you know, just be a, a comfort, you know, as we found out about this situation after the fact, this passage The Holy Spirit brought this passage to my heart, right? Um, Because I don't know about you, but we've all got some issues that are lingering in our lives. We've still got some things that we're working on. Am I the only one? Amen. But even in spite of those things, you're still welcome at Father's table. He's not ashamed to call you His own. He's not ashamed to say... Um, look you know uh, he's dealing with some stuff and she's still got some problems and and she's still doing some things that she promised me 10 years ago she'd never do again and and yet he's not ashamed to call you his own he's not ashamed of you because one right all one and the same amen so father desires and expects far more from a relationship with you than has ever entered your wildest imaginations and I know back during the summer we mentioned this I just Holy Spirit brought it back to my attention this morning. And, and that is, I think we can all either relate to from firsthand experience or at least the concept of being in a relationship where, where the other party in the relationship expected more or wanted more out of the relationship than you did, Okay or maybe you wanted more, expected more out of the relationship than they did, and that could be a romantic relationship or a business relationship or a friendship or, or even a family type relationship. And um, so when we talk about relationships, we, we know that there's desires and expectations. Um, <clears throat> I just want you to know this morning that Father desires and expects far more from a relationship with you and me than has ever entered your wildest imaginations. And, um, We've said this and we're gonna keep saying it, amen. God created you with the desire and expectation of loving you, giving himself to you, being one with you, and filling you with his fullness by literally sharing all that he is and all that he has with you. And so our assignment is to grow in the truth of our oneness with God. And I wanna begin with this thought this morning, and that is, you were created by God from desire As opposed to need. You were created by God from desire as opposed to need. Now if you understand, and we could spend the rest of this year just talking about this whole aspect of of God, and and, and that is that He is uncreated. Um, He is the uncreated God. Um, He has always been and he will always be, and I was again had some time off this past week and and um, as as I like to do when I get to step aside from a lot of my daily responsibilities and and have a little time off is just to meditate on some things. I did a lot of work out in the yard and just had my AirPods in listening to some worship music and on the lawnmower, you know just just thinking and meditating and pondering these things and And, you know, some of the simple simple things that I want you to embrace this morning is is that what we know is that this world, our solar system, even this physical universe in which we live, um, there is undeniable evidence that it has not always been. Um, There is undeniable evidence that it had an explosive, um, you know, the... This is why there is the theory of a Big Bang, because there is evidence that there was an unimaginable release of power and energy that marked the beginning of our physical universe, and of course, the planets and the stars, and our galaxy, and our star, and the planets around our star. Again, these things are undeniable. When it comes to your existence, um, I, was, I was born of David and Brenda Winslet, and David and Brenda Winslet were born from their, parents, their from their parents, and their parents from their parents, and their parents from their parents, and their parents from their parents. And you know this idea that somehow mankind has always existed on a planet that's always existed is, is not supported even by scientists, right, who don't believe in God, they have other alternate opinions. But again, we're talking about undeniable evidence. And so, again, there had to be somebody that was initially created in order to give birth to all the rest of us. And of course, we know and believe what the Bible teaches, that that was Adam. That God created Adam, male and female, and then Adam fell into a deep sleep, and he took everything that was female out of Adam and then joined them together in in marriage as as one spirit and um, and then through intimacy they're they're able to to conceive and and produce children and so again, um, these are heavy things that we could spend a lot of time just I'm just trying to 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 bring to your awareness you know that that there was a beginning and that there is Intelligent design in everything about our existence, um, as I've often said, and it maybe is so corny that it doesn't need to be said anymore. But you know, this idea that you could set off an explosion in a junkyard and and you know when the smoke clears, a computer be sitting there. Um, that somehow the explosion causes all those parts just to randomly fall into place and and create a computer. It's it's laughable, but yet. We're talking about something more complex than any computer ever created on a scale that we can't even comprehend. And yet, we're trying to say that an, that an explosion is, the, is, you know as I like to say, that there was a day when absolutely nothing exploded and became absolutely everything. It, it, again, it, it makes no sense. The only answer is that there's a creator. You have a creation. You have a creator. I have a watch on my wrist. I have no problem believing. I don't know who they were, but somebody somewhere designed this. Somebody somewhere fabricated this and produced this. It's a creation and it only you know, speaks of someone who created it. And I'm, I'm probably spending more time than I've allotted myself on this one point this morning, but I'm just trying to, to help you see that, that it's the epitome of arrogance and pride um, for us to dare to suggest that we created ourselves, and it 's a very convenient truth that a lot of people insist on believing in spite of the evidence that points otherwise and, and to other places. It, it, because again, um, it's a convenient truth to believe that we created ourselves because if we created ourselves there's no one for us to answer to, right? But if there is a God who created us in this world in which we live, then that means, then that means what? that there is someone that we are accountable to and will have to give answer to and account to one day um, when we are no more, at least in this form, or here on this earth. Now, I'm, I know for the overwhelming majority of you, what I've already told you is, is just a confirmation of what you already believe. In other words, that God created us. But it's not just enough for us to, to understand Him or recognize Him As creator because the God who created us is also the God who redeemed us he's the God who redeemed us now the fact that he is the uncreated God and has always been and will always be amen um, we have to understand then that that he made it just fine without us But we are completely dependent upon Him. So I want to zero in on this one thing in the time that we have remaining this morning. And there are reasons why I believe the Holy Spirit has led us to this. Because our greater subject, again, is growing in our understanding. Growing in our understanding of our oneness with God. And I think if we're ever going to understand why we exist, we're going to have to understand it in light of these truths. In light of the truth that we exist because an uncreated God created us, and He ultimately created us to make us one with Himself. He created us to share Himself with us. He created us... Amen. And any other reason, as we said last Sunday morning, that you may come up with for our existence, it may be true, but is at best incomplete. Amen. In other words, to say that, and I'm not going to go back over all these, but to simply say that God created us to worship Him would be true, but that's not the only reason He created. In other words, if all God needed was more worship, He had angels to worship Him, He just created more angels. In other words, what we know, what our Creator has revealed to us is that He created us not just like Himself, but from Himself. He created us in His image and in His likeness. When He created the birds, He spoke to the air. When He created the the fish, He spoke to the sea. When He created the, the plants and the animals, He spoke to the earth. But when He created us, He spoke to Himself. He created us like Himself and He created us from Himself. We've been created after Him, like Him, from Him. Amen. Again, if if all He's looking for is another servant, He doesn't have to create us like Himself and from Himself to just have someone else to serve Him. And if it's only service that He needs, what is it that we could possibly do for Him that He can't do for Himself? So, this leads us then back to this statement you were created by God, but from a desire that He had as opposed to a need that He had. A desire, you were created from desire, not from need. You see, we tend to try and understand the existence of a thing based upon the need it meets its usefulness, or the purpose that it serves. I have watched this old house on uh, public television for as long as I can remember. And um, I just, I don't know, I'm just into that. I've learned a lot over the years uh, about doing things from watching those shows. And, and um, back in the days of Bob Vila, you know, even who remembers Bob Vila on this old house, right? Some of you. And um, they have a new show now, it's called This Old House Hour, and I don't know if you've seen any of those episodes, but one of the features on that episode is they bring in some gadget, some tool, and the idea is, you know, try to guess what purpose it serves. Try to, try to guess what it's used for. And... Um, Anyway, it's a lot of new tools and things that I've never seen before, and you're always trying to figure it out, and I don't think I've ever been right yet. But notice again, we apply, I think, that same criteria to our own lives. Even, even those who believe that we were created by God, um, and the Bible says that we were also created for Him, and so when we begin to try to understand our own existence, we tend to go down that same path. In other words, we we try to understand our existence um, based upon what need did God have that we now satisfy? What is our usefulness? What purpose were we created to serve? But notice... All of these things, purpose, usefulness, are based upon um, a beginning point that is need-based. That is need-based. Again, when it comes to your value, your worth, we tend to look at people who serve a greater purpose as being more valuable. Because of their talents and abilities, you understand what I mean by that I'm, I, in other words, the idea is that you know well look you know someone that can um, shoot from the three point line in the NBA, obviously they have a skill and a talent that not everyone possesses, and they 're compensated for that, so we, we have this idea of of assessing even the worth and the value of something based upon its usefulness based upon its ability to fulfill a certain purpose or meet a certain need amen um, one of the things that that our dad said uh, I never forget is one of those moments in our lives we somebody had given dad some tickets to the circus Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey circus we were there and, and um, there was the guy following the elephant around not the guy dressed up in the fancy costume um, in the show with the elephant i'm talking about the guy that had on the gray uh jumpsuit um, with the giant pooper scooper <laughs> following the elephant around right And i never forget dad leaned leaned over and he said boys get a good education right or you'll be the one following <laughs> the elephant with the giant pooper scooper. I mean, it was a joke, but there is, right? Because in our world today, you know, if, if you can program a computer, in other words, right, you're more useful, considered to be more valuable, That's just, that, that tends to be the way the world, Now, I'm not talking about the kingdom now, I'm talking about the world. So the need that someone can meet, the usefulness that someone has, the purpose that someone serves, or, The other way we assess value and worth is based upon rarity. Think gravel versus diamond. Think aluminum, which has value, versus gold. Why is a diamond more valuable than a rock? Because it's more rare. Why is gold um, worth so much more than aluminum? Again, because it's more scarce, it's more rare. Now, if we're going to try to unravel the reason for our existence based upon these two platforms, the need that we serve, the, 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 the usefulness that we have, or the rarity, amen. Again, you know, you look around this room, there's a whole bunch of human beings in this room. <laughs> in other words, it's like there's a whole bunch of gravel, you know what I'm saying. But I'm offering to you this morning that to go down that road, either consciously or subconsciously, is, is a broken approach. Because again, you were not created because God had a need and created you to meet it. You were created because God had a desire in His heart for you and created you from desire-based affection, if you will, as opposed to need-based lack. You will never understand your existence if you try to see your existence as meeting some need or lack or emptiness in God. As we said last week, you know, he needed worshipers, or he needed servants, or he needed help, or he needed more glory, or he needed more love, or he needed more people and things to rule over, or he needed a distraction because he was bored having all this time on his hands, and, and, and he wanted some new project to occupy his time or, you know, some, some new experiment to, 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 to just kind of, you know, pique his curiosity or whatever. No, 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 please. Again, all of those answers, all of those thoughts originate in this broken idea that, that God had a need and created us in light of the need. It's not, it's not a need that He had so much as it was a desire that He had. This is good news because you know, we think to be needed is so, is so important. Again, it's, 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 it is important to be needed, but God didn't create you because He needed you. He created you because He wanted you. There's a difference there's a difference. Because see, again, <clears throat> this this has, has infected our thinking. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, look at how much of your feelings of worthiness, worthness, are based upon what you've done for God lately. This, this is so much a part of... of, of, of of our lives and the way the world thinks and the way it's it's carried over into our relationship and our understanding of our own existence and our relationship with God is that we think if if somebody can sing really pretty or play really skillfully or or has some gift that nobody else has that somehow they're more valuable because they're more useful or whatever to God and and again that is so wrong the Bible speaks against that time and time and time again If God just needed somebody to sing, he he could have created a... I mean, Lucifer had instruments built into his body. This idea that... that, Are you following what I'm saying here? It, It wasn't about need. It was about desire. So this means that even when we are not fulfilling any kind of purpose in life, it doesn't change God's desire for you. His desire for you is not based upon your usefulness to him. Anybody ever in here ever lost a job because the company no longer needed you? We were, watch, we were watching one of the football games yesterday, and I, I can't remember the context of all of this, but who remembers Blockbuster Video? Now, the younger generation may get this more than the older generation, but one of the things, it was like, when this happened, and it was, I think, when one team beat another, I don't forget, I should have went back and researched it, but, but here was the point. The point was, what was going on? What was the most famous song? What was all this going on back the last time this happened? And they so said, the last time this happened, Blockbuster declined to purchase Netflix. Of course, Blockbuster's no more. Netflix is, I don't know, multi-billion dollar company, I guess, right now. You, you, so this idea that, you know, things can be useful, but, you know, VHS, VCR tapes, We our, our last stop Friday was right before Lifeway closed. And, uh, and, and Sister Pam went in and she said, she goes, if you don't mind, I'm going to run in Lifeway. They got VeggieTales DVDs for $5. And she says, we're still using VHS tapes at Heritage. We need to get some of those for five bucks. <laughs> Again, the, the usefulness of things can, can change, and when their usefulness changes, the value of them, of those things plummet, right? If we're not careful, we will think because we're not useful or as useful as somebody else seems to be that somehow our worth and our value in the eyes of God is determined by that. Wrong, wrong, no, no, no. Need, on God's part, had nothing to do with your existence. Desire. See, this is why we have such a hard time understanding why He paid such a high price to redeem us. Because we think, well, how could I ever be useful enough to Him? How could I ever do enough good in return to make it worth what He paid for me? Again, you're looking at it wrong. It has nothing to do with a need. It has to do with His desire for you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Are you hearing me this morning? Okay. Genesis chapter 17. Amen. I'm about out of time. Let's go there this morning. Genesis chapter 17. You know I got Bible on this, right? I'm just not just coming off the hip with this. Praise God. I will tell you this, though. The Holy Spirit spoke these words to me first and then began to show it to me in Scripture as as, as He sometimes does. Amen. Because said it six times I'll make it seven Or how many times I've said it again we we got you why does this support what we're teaching about oneness because we I could never measure up to that I could never you know I could never be what God expects again we're thinking usefulness we're thinking purpose we're we're thinking um, you know he's got this need so again oneness like God doesn't need me uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and, and He's wanting to make me one. You're crazy, Pastor Mark. There is no way, right? See, again, that's you're, you're trying to look at it based upon what what you're able to do yourself and all this other stuff. You got to take you got to take that completely, not partially. See, this is some mistake we make. We try to say we you know came in here. We were thinking our worth is ninety percent, our usefulness and. um, God's desire and love for us. Um, And so now we're going to get it up about 60, 40, the opposite way. No, no. You've got to get out of your head, completely out of your head, that God created you to meet some need that He had. He created you because, again, He desires you. He wanted you. He wants you to this day. He paid such a high price for you. See, it's one thing for Him to create you. You do realize you do realize that you did not choose to be created. You did not choose to be born. You just came to on this planet about, I don't know, two years old. Realized you were here. So when I say you did not choose to be created, you did not choose God as creator. He chose you in creation. Amen. Your being here is God choosing you. He created you, and by creating you is His expression of Him choosing you. But He went far more than that to communicate His desire for you. He redeemed you. Redemption is where we get to choose Him or reject Him. You didn't choose to be created, but I guarantee you, if you're redeemed this morning, you you chose to receive His gift Redemption, amen. All right, let me finish right here. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. I'll just read the first verse. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Look at me for a moment. I'm not going to read it. Please don't read it now. I want you to just focus in on this first verse. But everything that's going to follow from, from there is going to be God telling Abraham everything that God is going to do for Abraham. Make a covenant with you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for Sarah. This is what's going to happen. God simply laying it out, spelling it out. This is, this is what I'm going to do for you. Now, The the phrase in this is where God said to Abram, Abraham, I am Almighty God. This introduction of Himself to Abraham is where we see God for the first time identifying Himself as El Shaddai. That's what this means. Almighty God means El Shaddai, El Shaddai. And El Shaddai literally means the All-Sufficient One. Now, We cover this in greater detail in discipleship class, but what you have to understand about God is that God reveals Himself to us, man, progressively throughout Scripture. And many times He would introduce Himself or something new about Himself, about His nature, about His personality, about His heart for us, by using a new name for Himself. So for instance, when he identified himself as Jehovah Rapha, he is saying, I am the Lord who heals you. Talk about healing your physical body. So notice, he's he's introducing himself by using a new name for himself, and that new name now is revealing something to mankind about not just what God is capable of doing, but what He desires to do, what is hard for us, is, and again, in this case, Jehovah Rapha is talking about healing. Sid Canoe, Jehovah Sid Canu, is he's talking about righteousness. Now, what we have here, though, you've got to remember, Abraham was raised in Ur of Chaldees, and, and, and in Ur of Chaldees, they worshiped the moon gods. And, and so, you know, Abram worshiped gods, plural, and yet the one and only true God says to Abram, I want you to come with me, separate yourself from your family, and follow me to a place that I will show you, and I will make your name great, and I will make of you a great nation. And Abraham says, where where are we going? And God says, I will tell you when we get there. So notice, he took those steps of faith to separate from his family, go out into a cutthroat world with God as his source, his protector, and his provider. And this was the beginning, not just of of God working in the earth through faith, but it was the beginning of civilization, if you will, when Abram took these steps. So it's not... I know some people may disagree with me on this, but remember, it wasn't until Moses that God introduces Himself as, I am. The only true God, I am. In other words, I believe personally, at least initially, that all Abram knew was that he had found a God who finally spoke back to him. It wasn't until later in Scripture that God reveals Himself as the only true and living God. But notice now God's introduction of Himself to Abram in Genesis 17 and 1. He didn't just say, I'm God. He he said, I am Almighty God. I am El Shaddai. I am the All-Sufficient One. Now again, when we hear this, and I've certainly taught on this over the years, we tend to think of El Shaddai in terms of what it means to us. And certainly when when Abraham, uh, when God said to Abraham, I am the all-sufficient one, He was communicating to Abraham, Abraham, I am the all-sufficient one. I have what you need. I can fix what's broken in your life. I can supply supernaturally what you cannot produce naturally i believe 100 percent that that was what god was saying to abram when he said i am the almighty god i am the all-sufficient one but if we're not careful we will only tend to hear this and think about this in terms of what it means to us instead of also what it says about God. Notice what is God saying about himself when he introduced himself to Abram as the all-sufficient one. He's saying, Abraham, this isn't about a need that I have. This is about a need that you have. This is not about what you're going to do for me. This is about what I'm going to do for you. This is not about you giving me what I can't produce. This is about me giving you what you can't produce. You see this? You say, "Well, didn't he need a holy nation? Didn't he? Well, he created Adam, didn't he? I mean, are you following what I'm saying? You uh, praise God. Some of that's conversation with my own self, right? Because, because again, I, the Lord is fine-tuning my thoughts and thinking here. All sufficient means no lack or need of any kind. No deficit, no deficiency, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. He is the All-Sufficient One. What an interesting way for God to introduce Himself to Abraham. Again, we tend to think God was only communicating his ability to meet Abraham's need and therefore do not hear what God is also saying to Abraham when he says, Abraham, I have no need. I am the all-sufficient one. Singers, musicians, if you would, please come. I was out of time five minutes ago. Thank you for your patience with me. You get anything out of this? Now, I'm offering to you this morning... Because what else did God say to Abram? Abraham. His name was initially Abram, and, and his wife was Sarai, A-I. And God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. So if you wonder why I'm going back and forth, it's amen. He went on to say to Abraham these words. Listen very carefully. I'm going to bless you. I'm going... To make you a blessing, and then through you, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. Notice, it's not just that Abraham had a need and God said, I'm the all-sufficient one. I have no need, but you have a need, and I'm going to meet your need, Abraham. But in meeting your need, I'm going to so bless you that I'm going to make you a blessing and meet other people's needs through you. And ultimately, ultimately, I'm going to make you a blessing to all peoples of the earth. This is speaking prophetically of what? Jesus coming through that Jewish bloodline. And Jesus becoming the gift that Father was going to give to the world. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know I've said it multiple times already in different ways. I'm just going to say it one more time this morning before we pray. Father wants you to come to terms by the Holy Spirit this morning that you exist not to meet some need that he has but to fulfill a desire in his heart I'm not saying that you can't give him love and I'm not saying that you can't cause him to have joy this morning but listen to me please he had love and joy in full overflowing measure It wasn't that He lacked joy and created you to meet that need for joy. It wasn't that He lacked love. He was receiving love from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus in much purer forms than any of us are are able to give this morning. Remember, the Holy Spirit's inside of us pouring out His love in us so that we can love Him by loving other people in this world, right? How about if you begin to think like this? He didn't didn't create you for you to give Him joy. He created you to give you joy. He didn't create you for you to give Him love. He created you so that He could give you His love. Amen. That's why you exist. You say, well, what about all the other stuff the Bible says, Pastor Mark, about our assignment and our purpose? All that's secondary. As a matter of fact, not only is it secondary, it's dependent upon. Does the Bible not talk about people who did all these wonderful works, but at the end he said to them, Depart from me what I never knew you? This is eternal life to know, to have personal fellowship with the only true living God. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for the great love with which you've loved us. Thank you, Father, for the great desire that's in your heart. It was in your heart before you ever breathed life into the nostrils of Adam. And that desire, Father, it only increases with every new child born on this earth. Father, the desire that you have to make us one with yourself to share your love to share your joy to share your wealth to share all that you are and all that you have one of us father help us renew our minds to these truths help us father to quit evaluating our worth based upon our performance evaluating our worth to you based upon our usefulness, based upon our limited understanding of our purpose, Father. And help us recognize that our worth is based upon a burning desire in your heart for each and every person in this room and each and every person on this planet. It's your love, Father. It's your love, and we surrender ourselves, submit ourselves, and humble ourselves to it. In Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Let's sing together before we're dismissed. Just take a moment to pause in His presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Jesus.